Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, June 1st. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on today's financial show, we're going to take a closer look at Axos Financial, what it does and what the future may hold for the business. As always, we've got a couple of stocks we're watching this coming week. Joining me as always, remotely, because we're all remote nowadays, it's Certified Financial Planner, Matt Frankel. Matt, how's everything going? Pretty good. It's an interesting time to to be around here, but um, it's a beautiful day in South Carolina. It's We've had a great weather this weekend, and I'm I, I, having a great time here. It's been That's a good, good. Yep. It's been, I'm trying. I'm enjoying this new office I'm in right now. If this is not a virtual background, by the way, this is an actual like I'm in an an, an 1800s bakery that has been converted into a co-work space. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a nice little backdrop there. Uh, the weather up here has been pretty nice too. I tell you, it was a good weekend to get out and do some walking and got a little yard work done. Um, of course, we understand the state of affairs right now all around the country. Uh, you know, it, 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 this this is one of those things that isn't going to go away. And so, Matt, I just I'm hopeful that this is uh, you know a period in time where not only the leaders in Washington D.C. but really the leaders in our business communities everywhere around the country can really step up and have their voices be heard. Because you know it is you know you and I can say something and that's fine. But you know, I mean, people aren't listening to us. We're not in a position of leadership. I think we have a whole. Uh, a whole country full of, of uh, businesses, both small and large, that can really play a part in hoping to take this conversation to the next level and uh, figure out a way to all get along. You know, this is just, it's really, it's, it's just, it's, it's sad to see this. It is. And um, like I said, we don't want to get into our opinions of the situation or anything, but it's definitely, you know, it's, it's sad to see. I mean, you can't see right the people listening to the podcast can't see, but right, right behind me out the window is the staging area for the the police in in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, yeah. So it's 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 kind of a it's a strange situation, and I'm just hoping it. I I, I don't want to see any violence. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. I don't want to see anyone lose their business or get their business damaged over this. But yeah. it's definitely conversations that need to be had. I think we can all agree yeah. on that part. Yep, you're right, and and I think uh, I think we probably will. Uh, so you know, we we can at least hope. Uh, but let's let's dig into why we're really here today. We wanted to talk a little bit more about a company that has been in our foolish universe for a while. It started out in the foolish universe as a little bit of a different company, though, at least a different name. And and today it's known as Axos Bank. But Axos Bank, which today the ticker is AX, this is actually formally known as B of I, or Bank of Internet, and it IPO'd in 2005. Now, if you were fortunate enough to get into the stock when it IPO'd, you know, you're looking back at a pretty nice little uh, track record there. Stock's up about 660% over that time. Now, if you look at the last five years, Matt, the last five years haven't been so kind, and actually the stock is down about 7%. Now, we'll get into the competitive environment in a bit and why the stock might be having uh, a little bit more trouble these days. But But let's just start off with the basics here. We know that Axos is a bank, but it's not your traditional kind of bank, is it? No, it's it's unique in that it's an online only bank. I say unique because when it first started, it was you know essentially the only company that did what it did. Um, that's why it was called Bank of Internet. Um, 
I've been a customer of theirs for a while, and here, if the people who are watching live can see my bank of internet debit card. <laughs> um, but I've been a customer of theirs for a while, and it's really unique because they are a very customer-focused online-only bank. They operate out of a single office, and it gives them a lot of competitive advantages that we're going to get to in a little bit. But the thing that makes them really unique that you need to know is that they provide a full range of banking services online. You know, a lot of online banks have, you know, savings accounts and CDs. That's the big thing that we right. see from these online accounts. But Axos um, also offers checking accounts. They offer a range of mortgage products. They offer auto loans. So they're really a full-service bank that's exclusively online. And that's – even today, that's still kind of a rarity to find. Yeah, you know, it is. And, I, I mean, I remember when we first started um, talking about this one on the investing team years ago and that whole that whole idea that – you know, I mean, the banking center, it's kind of like the DMV, right? You're trying to figure out a reason not to go. And if you could get your stuff accomplished without having to go to the physical location, then that's great. In, in Bank of Internet or, or Axos Bank, really, that, that, was, that was that thing they were really firing in on, wasn't it? It was, it was taking technology and building out this financial institution that was just completely different than what we grew up with. And, and you mentioned... That they do provide a, a wide suite of financial services. I mean, if you look at their at their financials, you can see over time that deposits, non-interest-bearing deposits grow, interest-bearing deposits are growing. They they do serve the mortgage markets, the car markets. Um, what you know, who are who are their customers? What what? How does this bank really make money? Is it more about the lending, or is it more about the deposit accounts and the relationships with consumers? Well, the model is generally they offer they offer better interest rates on deposits than you would find at say a brick and mortar bank. Now, okay. The interesting thing is they don't. You could get higher interest rates on savings accounts and CDs generally. I, I can't tell you exactly what my Axos account's paying right now, but it's lower than say like a Marcus by Goldman Sachs is paying right now. Right. So as far as online banks, they're not the highest, but they off, it's the value that they offer you in terms of, say, a checking account and things like that. So they make their money on lending, specifically mortgages. Um, one of the unique things about their portfolio of loans is that 95% of their loans are asset-backed. They don't do credit card lending, for example, which is um, you know a riskier type of loan that isn't backed by any certain asset. They don't, gotcha. they don't have a ton of uh, home equity lines of credit, which are backed by assets, but they're kind of in a second lien position. So they don't yeah. have a ton of that. So pretty much everything they lend, with very few exceptions, is backed by a first lien position on a tangible asset. So that's a big thing to know. Um, in mortgages, most the biggest part of their business is jumbo loans, which are loans that exceed the limits set by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, you know, if you want to buy a house for a million dollars, you can't get a, a, a Fannie Mae loan to do it because you know the house is too expensive. So yeah. you need to go to a lender like Axos that may, that specializes in loans that are you know for higher amounts. Uh, they actually have something called a, I, I want to say they call it ultra jumbo loans. Um, <laughs> Axos actually makes loans of ten million dollars or even more in certain cases for for home wow. buyers. So yeah, they they focus on the high end of the market. They, their buyers have generally have high credit profiles. I think their average credit score for a mortgage customer is over 760, which is pretty pretty good. That's good. Yeah, um, that's good. So that's the bulk of their their per, their consumer lending. On the commercial side, they also focus on mortgages. They have a lot of multifamily mortgages. It's a big part of their their portfolio and just kind of just general asset backed loans to businesses. Um, they're a big lender to the. I mean, people aren't going to want to hear this part, but they're a big lender to say the oil industry. They have a, a oh, good yeah. portfolio of asset-backed oil loans. 
Um, so they're basically a, a, an asset-backed lender that makes their money by charging their borrowers one rate and paying out a, an attractive but a reasonable interest rate on deposits. And the results have been good. Their, their net interest margin is higher than the banking average. I want to say it was about 4% last year, which is, yeah. I mean, in most of the big banks we cover, their net interest margins in the 2 to 3% ballpark. Um, and they have the advantage of being, you know, being able to operate more efficiently and pre- kind of predict credit better because they don't have to worry about, you know, credit card defaults skyrocketing, which a lot of banks are worried about right now, in, given the current situation. Yeah, people- and I mean that is that's definitely something that I think you know that that's going to be something that really comes to materialize, right? We've certainly seen with companies like American Express or even Discover. Um, I mean, they're they're talking about that now. And and I mean that's going to be something they're they're going to have to deal with here over over the coming years. Whereas like when we were talking about Visa and Mastercard the other day, they don't necessarily have to worry about that because they're not the ones lending out the money. Yeah, and I mean Access could absolutely see like defaults pick up on their mortgages, for example. But then that's a loan that's backed by an asset. I mean, it's in Mm -hmm. nobody's best interest to foreclose on a house. Banks don't want to do it, but it kind of provides kind of a loss limit for the bank in terms of you know they could always foreclose, sell the house, make themselves and get made whole. To the yeah. for the most part, so it's a it's a lower risk type of lending. You're even seeing companies like like Bank of America and Wells Fargo that have have large credit card businesses um, and large personal loan businesses. Um, especially a lot of, a lot of internet only banks, especially have big portfolios of unsecured loans. I mentioned Marcus by Goldman Sachs. That's essentially what their lending business is. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a less risky form of lending, and we'll get into the returns in, in a little bit, but. That's essentially how they make their money: is is, is these asset-backed loans that are really, really, you know, a, a good asset, to, a good type of loan to be in in a situation like this, where there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. Yeah, and I notice they do a really good job. Another metric we'll look at um, from time to time with banks is return on assets. And you like to see that, you know, if you can see one percent or greater on a consistent basis. I mean, that's nice. I mean, I, I see with with Axos, they have recorded, you know, one and a half, one and a half, one point six percent return on assets, pretty consistently. In in that, I think, um, you know, I think that that goes to show the type of business they can run. Now, we talk about their their loan book, and, and you mentioned a few different things: their commercial, car, residential, um, and just to talk a little bit about that, because I was looking through some of of their their uh, exposure there. It looks like commercial lending. It looks like that's about thirty one percent of their portfolio. Auto loans. Maybe about three percent. So I mean, you're not overexposed to you know, like a car is going to depreciate, obviously, whereas property tends to appreciate over time. But one thing I did notice, and and it, I, I thought about this when you mentioned jumbo loan. And a jumbo loan is something that really comes in handy when you're in um, when you're in areas where property valuations are really high. And like I'll use Northern Virginia as an example. We live here in Fairfax Station, Northern Virginia. Um, and you know, if you don't have enough money to put down, I mean, you're going to be looking at some situations where you probably will have to take out a jumbo loan because prices here are just simply higher. I mean, it's just a high trafficked area where a lot of people are trying to to come. So the housing market is always in high demand. Um, in regard to that jumbo loan exposure, though, I also noticed they have a very um, hefty exposure to the state of California, like better than fifty percent of their of their book. It looks like is is levered to property lending in California, which 
I mean, given what we're going through right now, it's reasonable to think that there might be a little bit of an exodus as people start working remotely, and maybe they don't feel like they need to live in places like California where the properties are so so expensive. So I, I was just curious to get your take on that, that exposure to California. Is that something you even really worry about or, or are concerned with? Well, it's a pretty natural you know, kind of market for them. I said necessity is the mother of invention, and Axos is based <laughs> in California. Right. Um, so I, th- I think I'm, I think they still operate out of San Diego, but they they may have they were talking about moving to Nevada for tax purposes. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? I think they may have already. They, I think they Nevada. may have. But um, okay. So so but they were based in California. That's you know their primary market. And as yeah. you said, the California housing market is in Southern California. Is you know they're not going to find anything more expensive. So yeah. it's it's definitely a risk, and it's definitely why we're seeing the stock hit more than you would expect just a pure asset based lender to be in a situation like this. Um, it's, we'll, I'm going to get into some more of the riskier assets that they own in a little bit, but you're, you're right. Uh, especially in their jumbo portfolio, there's, they're very levered to the California market, which I mean, someone in, in Columbia, South Carolina, like me would really not have much of a reason to take out a jumbo mortgage. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the market's going to dictate that. Yeah. I mean, you're just, and, and I think a lot of places in Virginia, you're not going to have that problem either. It's just this one area where DC and in southern Maryland and northern Virginia all kind of come together in this one very heavily uh populated area and, and it just is it's you know, kept 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 real estate here uh at prohibitive level <laughs> levels for a lot of people for a long time um so let's talk about then a where this bank stands today i think a time ago back when they were really kind of the new kids on the block doing something a little bit different in a capital light bank with no banking centers, just a, a tech bank. That was the competitive advantage. That was sort of you see where they were being able to take advantage of something where other banks still had this this heavy overhead uh, maintaining these banking centers. You fast forward to today, and you know the big banks have responded pretty nicely to this threat. I mean, they've they've built out robust online banking operations of their own. Now they still have, um, you know, the, the cost structure in maintaining those banking centers. And I, and I mean, I think that you know the trend is that you're seeing fewer banking centers over time, not more. But do you feel like that has diminished Axos's competitive advantage at all, or do you feel like there still is uh, some degree of separation there? Sure. Well, competition's definitely heated up. Um, it's diminished their competitive advantage when it comes to growth, I would say. Not necessarily in profitability or efficiency or anything like that, but it's definitely kind of, you know, I mean, if, if you want an online savings account right now, it used to just be Axos and maybe a few other places you could go. Now, right. pretty much everybody offers a high-yield in, uh, online savings account. If you look at our sister yeah. site, The Ascent, I mean, we, we've done reviews on, I think, over 10 of them. Um, and and most of them pay more than Axos um, to, to try to attract deposits right now. But yep. th- their their competitive advantages, just to kind of reiterate, are the the variety of their products that they offer. Um, checking accounts, in particular, have been a big focus on growth up until about five years ago. Axos was mostly CDs and savings savings accounts, like everybody else. Um, but they've really focused on the checking account part of the business because that's something that. In the financial world, a lot of companies have the have had the attitude that you can't do an online checking account, that it's not as practical as as a savings account because you need constant access to your money, you need ATM access, things like that. Yeah. Um, Axos figured out ways to do that. For example, they they reimburse for ATM co- um, 
transactions. I, you know, I, I mentioned I'm an Access customer. Um, mm-hmm. When I go to withdraw money from the ATM, I don't have to find a, an ATM that has my bank's name on it. I can use any ATM in the country and they pay the fees, period, the end. To test nice. this out, I even when I was in Las Vegas last year, and ATMs in casinos—I don't know if you've ever been—are you know the fee is like ten dollars. So just to imagine, kind of you know, see how right. So to see how it worked, I just you know took fifty bucks out of the ATM there, and sure enough, the the reimbursement showed up the next day. So things like that are really attractive to customers. I don't know of any checking account online that has unlimited fee reimbursement in that way. Um, a lot of yeah. them have, you know, they'll reimburse the first few dollars each month or whatever, but Axos, it's unlimited. Um, so they, they've really done a great job. Of, I think checking accounts are, um, I have my numbers right here, about 50% of their total deposit base right now, which is really impressive considering that it was nothing a few years ago. Um, right. I, I also mentioned the lack of exposure to any risky type of lending. You know, no focus on the credit card business, for example, is a big one. Um, that's a big competitive advantage. And the, the, the branchless structure, you mentioned a lot of these um, new up-and-coming companies are doing what Access does, but they still have branches. I mentioned Marcus by Goldman yep. Sachs. They don't necessarily have branches, but Goldman has a lot of office space. I would bet Goldman yeah. has you know a lot more office space than Access Financial does. Um, yep, I'd be willing to bet. Um, and a lot of these, like, like Synchrony is a, a, a high-yield deposit platform. I bet you they have a lot more office space than Axos, even though they're not branch-based. So yeah. because of that, Axos has one of the lowest efficiency ratios in the country. Lower is better with efficiency. They earn a better mm-hmm. return on assets, better return on equity than most other banks. Um, their return on equity has been over 17% for the last five fiscal years, which is, if you look at, look at the numbers from like a Bank of America or Wells Fargo, that's very impressive. So- the branchless structure combined with their asset-based lending focus, and they've done a bunch of really good partnerships over the past few years. Um, H&R Block's a big one. They're they're the exclusive partner for H&R Block in terms of um, oh, wow. the refund anticipation loans. If you go to an H&R Block to have your taxes done, um, the H&R, it's, your refund will be issued on an Axos Bank debit card which not only brings all that business into their ecosystem, but creates a lot of cross-selling potential. So yeah, they have a bunch of nice competitive advantage that are worth noting. Now, what do you think? Um, I mean, going forward, I mean, we, we looked at the difference between how the stock has performed since the IPO and how the stock has performed over the last five years. I mean, it's probably, I think it's safe to say that going forward, it's going to be a more competitive environment for them. But it also sounds like they know what they do well, and they really focus on that. Like, I don't know that you're going to see them jumping into that credit card market anytime soon, particularly as we see what's starting to shake out now. Well, what do you feel like going forward are some of the challenges, the risks that that they're going to face? Like, What's going to help them make these next five years a better performance than these last five years? Well, I feel like to, to grow, to keep up their growth rate, they're going to have to focus on some of the types of riskier loans we were talking about. Not credit cards. I don't see them ever going there. But they've yeah. mentioned you know, expanding their auto loan business, for example, as a potential growth driver. Um, just to kind of put the numbers in perspective, between the three major types of mortgages they do, or the, sorry, the three major types of loans they do, jumbo mortgages, multifamily loans, and asset ba- asset-based commercial loans, that's about $8 billion worth of their assets. Their right. auto loans are currently about $300 million. So auto loans are kind of a drop in the bucket relative to that right now. 
So auto loans are a riskier type of loan than mortgages. They're generally made to borrowers with slightly lower credit scores, for example. Um, the, the value of an auto tends to go down, not up over time. So if, some, yeah. if the bank has to repossess it, they might not be able to recoup their money. So that's one. Uh, unsecured lending, personal loans are another uh, area they've mentioned they really want to ramp up. That's only you know, you know, $116 million of their assets right now. So less than about 1%. So it's, there, there are a few ways they'd have to grow that would kind of add risk. You mentioned they're really levered to California right now. I see yeah. that as kind of a perceived negative at the moment, which could be weighing on the stock. Yeah. Um, and the jumbo mortgage market has limited growth potential. They would have to really kind of expand their their presence in the, the agency mortgage world, as as it's called, which are you know Fannie and Freddie-backed loans. So they would really have to branch out in a nutshell to, to continue their current growth rate, which I think they can do effectively, but it, not with the same kind of asset, 95% asset-backed advantage that they have now. And it feels like the main, in, on the management side of things, CEO Greg Garabrantz, he's been with the company, I think, since 2007, if I, if I read correctly. Yes, So correct. he's been there for a while. I mean, he was part of the business. Obviously, they went, they went through, I, I think, a, a, an investigation period, maybe 16 months where they were under investigation for just for, for some questions and regarding the lending practices and whatnot. I don't even think anything materialized from it. I think that investigation was closed down, and, and they, were, they were not deemed to have, have done anything wrong. Um, it, it does feel like, though, that that you know, Greg Garibrandt has he has the skill set to continue to take this take this bank to the next level. Um, wondering if you you have any insight as is to leadership there or any concerns that, that investors should be aware of. Um, no real concerns. If you look back to when he took over, I mean, he's the bank's done great under his leadership. There's really no reason to think why it would change. He kind of you know spearheaded the transition to checking accounts that I mentioned earlier. Um, which was a very innovative thing at the time for an online bank to do. So, I, and, and not to mention the H and R Block partnership, which is you know that that's huge in the past few years. Yeah, um, it started out as not a non-exclusive partnership, I believe, a few years ago, and now they're the exclusive provider of of the refund anticipation loans. And H and R Block does almost twenty million tax returns each year. Wow. So, I mean, and and they really haven't exploited kind of the cross-selling potential of that. Like when someone gets a refund anticipation loan, maybe steer them toward an Axos auto loan or, or something to that effect. Yeah. So, I mean, Axos, Axos is a pretty small bank right now. Yeah. Um, they, they have about $10 billion worth of assets. And just to kind of put that in perspective, uh, JP Morgan Chase is about $2 trillion. So, Sheesh. they're a tiny, tiny company right now. And and the, the partner that partnership just creates a lot of cross-selling potential, I'd say. And and that's that was um, something that, that the current leadership – really was was very effective on so yeah i also wonder you know i'm not seeing really um and this is just anecdotal i guess but i you know i never see i never see advertisements for axos i mean i, I don't i think they've done really probably fairly well growing sort of a grassroots word word of mouth uh campaign i don't know that i've ever really seen any type of an advertising campaign undertaken there i mean there's always that possibility going forward that they you know, invest some money in, a, in, an, in an advertising campaign that really can create a lot of interest. Particularly, I mean, you, you're just trying to bring people into the door, or give them another way to do it. I mean, we understand there are a lot of unbanked folks out there um, in this country. We companies like Square and even PayPal trying to cater to that unbanked um, population or underbanked. 
And, uh, you know, certainly, certainly Axos plays in that same sandbox, so to speak. I wonder if we won't see advertising campaigns from them in the future. Yeah, that's a good point. It's pretty, they've pretty much been a word of mouth company, um, to this point, not, I mean, not necessarily word of mouth, but they've, they've done, you're right. They've done very limited marketing and especially on a national level. I, I don't live in California and I'd imagine that they do a lot more of their marketing in California than other places just yeah, because that's that. where they were based. And, and that's, yeah. and that's kind of, I mean, they don't advertise in markets that don't have jumbo loans like mine. So <laughs> to, for me to say that I've never seen an ad from them is kind of, you know, take that with a big grain of salt. Yeah. Yep. Good point. And I guess, you know, I it, you just, just let's wrap this up here, Matt. You clearly you're an account holder. Okay. Are you a shareholder? I have been. I'm not right now. Um, not. I got out of Axos a couple years ago. I think during their scan, when, when they were under investigation, um, yeah. I decided to take a step back and get out because, yeah. I mean, being under active investigation is more often than not a good reason to sell if you're, if you need to, if you're looking for something to get rid of. Um, no, I think that's very reasonable. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way when I, when I see a company get to that point and then I start trying to assess everything, oftentimes in my mind, at least I can rationalize it and say, you know what? I think I, that money might be put to better use somewhere else. And that's enough for me to go ahead and trigger a sell right there. Just feeling if, if that capital could be better off somewhere else, then, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to make a sale. Right. So now, now that they're not under active investigation, they're definitely on my watch list right now, but, um, there you go. I bought a few banks during the, the pandemic and, um, I'd, some that I just thought were a much better value, honestly. Um, yeah, but they're they're on my watch list. I would, I would not be surprised if I become a shareholder again. Well, there you have it, folks. Axos Financial. Thanks so much for digging into that for us, Matt. Really appreciate it. Before we take off this week, uh, let's give our listeners one to watch. What stock is on your radar this week, Matt? I am watching one of my favorite real estate stocks, Store Capital. Um, we just saw some data that says about um, commercial real estate rents that are, have been paid in May. And the drop-off from April really hasn't been that big. Um, it Essentially, um, April and May were equal. And we were worried that I was worried that in May, you were going to see a bigger drop-off as companies started to really feel the pain. Uh, yeah. That really hasn't materialized. And I think now in June, when everything's going to be at least partially open in most of the country by the end of June, I think you're going to see a big spike in rent collection and in the stronger companies like Store Capital, I think you're going to see a lot of a, a big spike in there. You could potentially see a big spike in their share prices if if that's reported. So there that's one I'm watching. And what's that ticker? S T O R. They are a real estate S-T-O-R. investment trust that it specializes in single tenant retail properties. Very good, very good. Well, I am going to be keeping an eye on Zoom video. Their earnings come out tomorrow, and. I tell you, if you're if you're a Zoom shareholder right now, you're feeling pretty good about things. The stock's up another 13, 14% today, busted through $200 per share. I mean, this has just been such an impressive performer since they went public. I mean, the valuation is still I I I would say it's a little bit ahead of itself, but by the same token, you know, the market pays up for exceptional potential. I and mean, we've seen it often often uh times before. I mean, it, it, the company's got except, exceptional uh, potential there and, and and the market will pay up for it with with Zoom. Um last quarter they announced they had approximately 81,900 customers with more than 10 employees. 
uh, and that that was up 61% from a year ago. They also said they had 641 customers contributing more than $100,000 in trailing 12-month revenue. That was up 86% from a year ago. And you know, we're we're going to be hearing from them now as, as you know, right as in the thick of this pandemic, um, where everybody, I mean, Zoom has become a verb, right? It's not the name of the company; it's a verb. It's kind of like Netflix it, Google it, Zoom it, and and so I'm going to be interested just to hear how things have been shaking out for them this this past quarter. You know, and, and even more so, I really want to hear I want to hear them address the security concerns because I think that's been one that's been the thorn in their side. They had, they they clearly did not make enough um, investment on the security side early on. The good news is that's fixable. They made an acquisition, I think, of a company to focus more on that on that security side. But but regardless, should be a fun uh, report uh, to go through tomorrow. So that's what I'm going to be keeping my eye on. But Matt, uh, Matt, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, thanks again for joining. Appreciate you digging into Axos. It was uh, it was a good time. Enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, always fun to be here. Everybody, stay safe out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Stay safe. And remember, folks, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. You can drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal rec- recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to our man Austin Morgan for making it happen this week. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.